Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming. <coughs> this evening we will continue with Srila Jiva Goswami's Paramatma Sandarbha. We're up to the second Anuchedu, or second section. And, uh, from the second through the seventh Anuchedu, we'll be dealing with the three manifestations of the Paramatma within the material cosmos. So Bhagavan manifests as Paramatma to regulate the cosmos and the living entities that are within it. We are an integrated conscious part of Paramatma. We're part of the Lord's intermediary potency. He has his internal potency, his marginal potency, here referred to as intermediary, and his external potency. We'll begin tonight by looking back to the verse from Bhagavad Gita that gives us some knowledge of the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme Lord uh, in relationship uh, to the whole picture, Krishna and his manifestations. In the Bhagavad Gita, in the 10th chapter, Krishna tells Arjuna, But of what avail is it to you, O Arjuna, to know all this in detail? With a single fraction of my power, I remain situated, pervading this entire cosmos. So this evening's Anucheta is going to kind of give us a perspective of the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme Lord in relationship to the Supreme Lord himself in his original form as Bhagavan Sri Krishna. There's a general description of the material versus the spiritual manifestations as three quarters of the energy and one quarter of the energy of the Supreme. But then again, can we really apply a ruler to these kind of concepts? So we have to look at it in a general way, that um, that kind of a, uh, a measuring, as you would have it, of the Lord's energies. Uh, they're all unlimited. And we couldn't place the ruler of our mind on any of them, whether they be his spiritual manifestations or his, um, or the material cosmos. So we started out with the Paramatma Sandarva explaining to us the fact that the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme Lord is in relationship to his, his, the material manifestation. So going back to recap a little of what was said in the Bhagavat Sandarbha, the beginning of that treatise, the 8th to 10th Anuchetas, it was explained that Bhagavan appears only in response to the bhakti of a devotee. In other words, according to the loving sentiment of the devotee, the Lord, 
reciprocates accordingly. So he takes an appearance according to the bhakti of a devotee. Jiva starts here explaining that this also applies, this appearance of the Lord in relationship to the devotee also applies to his Paramatma feature. So we would say, well, that seems a little awkward because we've, we're learning here that the Paramatma feature is that aspect of the Supreme Lord, which is the observer of the material cosmos, both the manifester and the observer of the material cosmos. But here, Jiva is saying, but if we look more deeply, we will see that <clears throat> the Paramatma feature and the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord's manifestation of the material universe is for is in itself for one particular primary purpose in order to facilitate the bhakti of his devotees. How is that? Well, sometimes there are the left behinds. The material universes wrap up at a certain period of time. There is a certain structure. It's a, 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 there's a cycle. And there's a cycle to the days of Brahma. There's a cycle to the seasons of the year. There's also a cycle to the manifestation of the material universe. It's sometimes uh, equated with the breathing of the Lord himself in his manifestation as uh, Karnadakshai Vishnu or Mahavishnu. Um, the breathing out, everything comes into existence, all the various cosmos come out from his pores, unlimited cosmos, and then after a period he draws them back in and all that was manifest comes into an unmanifest state. When he draws back in and the whole material cosmos is wrapped up, there's some devotees that didn't finish the course of their spiritual uh, lives. They still have some tinge of material desire left. So the Lord, in his perfect arrangement, he has to facilitate their future spiritual development. To facilitate that, he has to manifest the cosmos again. So Jiva, uh, as we go forward, we'll, we'll explain this later in the Paramatma Sandarva, but he brings it up here in the very second Anucheta, that the whole material cosmos in and of itself is a manifestation of the Lord's extrinsic potency uh, simply to facilitate his devotees. And it goes on perpetually. There's always some devotees that didn't finish the course. So the Lord has to manifest the material universe to give them facility to, to complete. No man left behind. 
Yeah. So bhakti alone is instrumental in the manifestation of Paramatma also. So this is going to be elaborated upon in the 101st Anucheta. So this is just a little preview that that we're be, being given here. <clears throat> the answer is that. Why? The answer is that Paramatma evolves the cosmos for the sake of those devotees who could not attain the completion stage of devotion in the previous cycle of creation and are lying dormant within the body of Paramatma, Mahavishnu. So we all lie dormant when the material cosmos is wrapped up and then when it comes again, we're given facility through the external energy to to enjoy in this world. <laughs> so Jiva begins this second Anucheta. As before, as in the case of Bhagavan, the prerequisite for his Paramatma's manifestation to it should be understood as bhakti alone, Jiva says. That manifestation is threefold, as is said in the Naradiya Tantra. Then he quotes that Tantra. Bhagavan Vishnu has three forms, each called the Purusha. So all three of these manifestations are referred to as Purusha, or generally speaking, the Purusha avatars, or the immanent self. The first, Mahavishnu, is he who sets in motion the total material energy, the Mahatattva. The second is Garbhodakshai Vishnu, who is situated within each egg-like or womb-like universe. And the third is Kashirodakshai Vishnu, who is eminent within the heart of every living being. He who intuitively knows these three is liberated from conditional existence. So if we can assimilate this, this will be good for our liberation. So intuitively knows. What's intuitively mean? It means instinctively that you you comprehend it. It's transrational. You understand for you understand with Shastra Yukta, with an understanding of scriptural presentation, the nature of these three manifestations of the Paramatma feature of the Supreme Lord. Now our discussion tonight is going to be a little technical, um, actually a lot technical. It might be the, the most technical of all the Anuchetas we've reviewed up to this point both the Tattva and the Bhagavad, and now we're at the Paramatma. Um, because <coughs> many different aspects are going to be touched upon here. We're not going to dwell, as I alluded to in our last discussion, deeply on what's presented. We're going to try to grasp the overall idea that Jiva's giving us 
And then as we proceed through the Paramatma Sandarbhata, we be unpacked more and more. Will you tell us what that idea is that he's trying to give us? I will try. Okay. <laughs> I will do my best. Of these, Jiva goes on, he's speaking of these three Purusha avatars, of these, the first is only one in number. That in itself will be unpacked because it's not like the Lord is many. Vedanti tat tat vavidas tat vam janam advayam. That non-dual jnana advayam. Supreme reality can be seen differently according to different spiritual practitioners' viewpoints. Brahmati, Paramatmati, Bhagavan iti subjate as Brahman, Paramatma, or Bhagavan. So when we hear here that the first Purusha avatar is one in number, it means he manifests as, as there's only one of him. But there's only one Paramatma overall also, also. So we shouldn't be confused by that. Paramatma is one, and that will be also unpacked and explained more deeply as we we proceed. But overall, we should know that the Lord is one, but he manifests differently according to different functions, you could say. He is the witness of the total aggregate of all jivas. Now, we're speaking here of Karna Dakshai Vishnu, the first manifestation of Paramatma for regulation of the material cosmos. Maha Samasti Jiva. He's the Maha Samasti Jiva. He is the... He, he has... Um, he's the witness of the total aggregate. When the whole manifestation is wrapped up, all the Jivas, except those that entered into the Vaikuntha realm during a manifestation of a mater the material cosmos in general, um, they again enter into him. And primordial nature, when they are all in an undifferentiated, undifferentiated state, as described in statements such as, just as sparks emanate from a fire, so all these vital airs, planets, devas, and living beings issue forth from the Supreme Self. So, again, we go to that understanding of the cosmos coming out from the Mahavishnu, Karnadakshai Vishnu, and then entering back in, in an unmanifested state. They don't have bodies when they enter. When he wraps up the cosmos, the there's the jivas and there's the overall energy, the potentiality of manifesting the universe again. And we call that potentiality the Mahatattva. And then when it's manifested, it comes out, it, it, it expands, it, it changes into separated, apparently separated energies. 
earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, both the physical and the subtle, the psychic energies come out uh, from that one aggregate, unmanifest energy, which is referred to as Mahatattva, when it's unmanifested, or Pradhana. Mm -hmm. Both words are used, but they're used differently by different people in different contexts. And one would one would possibly argue with you and say, no, Mahatattva means this, no, Pradhana means that, you know. So don't get wrapped up in the terminology <coughs> because it's presented differently at different times in different contexts. But yes, yeah. to my knowledge, it's it's referred to both as Burdana and as the Mahatattva. And, Jiva continues, he glanced, um, i.e. projected all the living, all living beings and all that exists. He is also known as Sankarshan and Mahavishnu as found in Brahma Samhita. So now Jiva is adding another terminology to that first manifestation of Paramatma. He's also referred to as Sankarshan, as found in Brahma Samhita. Quote, the effulgent eternal Bhagavan Sambhu Vasudev, this is in parentheses, Vasudev or Mahanarayan, the Lord of Vaikuntha, is his, Krishna's, causal agent, Linga, in the matter of generating the world. And Mahavishnu, Sankirshan, the lord of the cosmos, appeared within that causal agency, causal agency, Linga, Brahma Samhita, 5, 8, 10. Then further on in Brahma Samhita, in the section beginning with the Purusha having a thousand heads, a thousand eyes, and a thousand legs, it is stated. And then Jiva Goswami quotes from Brahma Samhita's 12th and 13th verse of the 5th chapter. He is Sri Narayan, a portion of Sankarshan, the second member of the Vaikuntha Quadruple Manifestation. Okay, as I said, don't get wrapped up in terminology. Well, wait, I thought Narayan was this, and I thought Sankarshan was that, and I thought, you know, what's what? What? And now you're saying Sambhu. I thought Sambhu was Shiva. So, yeah, let's, that's what I was referring to earlier. Um, so, let's go back to the Brahmasamhita's verse. He is Sri Narayan, a portion of Sankarshan the second member of the Vaikuntha Quadruple Manifestation. Okay, we'll go into those Chatravyuhas. There is the Chatravyuha in Vaikuntha Manifestation, and then there's the second manifestation from that original manifestation, which is the Chatravyuha within the material cosmos, which are the different manifestations of Paramatma. Okay? From him, the eternal person, 
appeared a vastitude of water known as the causal ocean. The great Bhagavan himself, who has thousands of forms, and also called Sankarshan, entered the yogic sleep of supraconscious being, Yoga Nidra, on that water. In the pores of his body, the seeds of Sankarshan, previously embedded within the matrix of his creative potency, appeared as universes in the form of golden eggs, covered by the material elements. Brahmasamhita. Footnote. We need this footnote. In his commentary to this verse, Jiva Goswami refers to the preceding verse 5 of the Brahma Samhita where Galoka Swetadweep is described in the form of a yantra, a geometric representational pattern. There, the Chaturvyuha, or four direct emanations of Govinda, who is the Lord of Galoka, and the Adi Purusha are named as belonging to the envelopment of the highest spiritual abode. The second of these four emanations is known as Sankarshan, Vasudev, Sankarshan, Prajumna, and Aniruddha. So in the Yantra, the geometric representation of Goloka, we have these four as being the direct emanations from the original Adi Purusha, Sri Krishna, and protecting the four sides of that yantra. The second of these four emanations is known as Sankarshan. So Narayan is the expansion or portion of this Sankarshan and is thus called Sankarshanatmaka whose self, whole, or source, Atma, is Sankarshan alone. So, from this footnote, it's, we're being told that, that the Narayan manifestation of the Lord is from this original Vaikuntha manifestation of the Chaturvyuha. Now, what this Narayan is also referred to as Sambhu. So now we're going to continue this discussion. It is necessary to explain, this is Jiva's, we're back to his Anucheta, past the footnote. So he goes on. It is necessary to explain the word Linga. From Brahma Samhita 5.8 cited above. I need to explain this to you so you can understand it properly. In accordance with the Vishnu Purana statement, quote, this entire cosmic manifestation is situated in a 100 millionth part of his part. So a little perspective. We earlier said that we generally look at the material manifestation as the one-fourth energy of the Supreme 
and we look at this transcendental realm as the three-fourth manifestation of the Supreme. But here, we're hear hearing from the Vishnu Purana, one one-hundred millionth of that transcendental energy, this entire cosmic energy, meaning the material manifestation, is situated in a one hundred millionth part of his part. So then we have to understand in context that the three three parts, three three fourths and one fourth has to be referring to something else in a general way. The pronoun his refers to the supreme form of Bhagavan, Sri Govinda, and the potency to manifest the Purusha avatars belongs to him alone. A special part of that causal potency, linga, the causal potency of Govinda, a special part of that potency is known as Sambhu, Vasudev or Mahanarayan, who is called the causal agent, Linga, comparable to that causal potency because he is the agency through which the Purusha avatars appear. <coughs> so, that potency to manifest separate from the transcendental realm, another realm, which is his extrinsic potency, and to manifest another manifestation of himself that can cause this external energy to create all the cosmos, is a part of a part of the Supreme Lord. That part that, that manifests the causal energy to cause is referred to as linga. So, and through that causal energy of the Supreme, because the Lord has unlimited energies, we could never reach a, an end of an understanding of the different potencies of the Supreme Lord. So part of that causal energy to cause something uh, is referred to as linga. In other words, the term linga, denoting a portion of Sri Govinda, that causal energy portion of Sri Govinda, is the basis of the primary meaning of the word Sambhu. Linga thus refers to a special portion of Bhagavan alone as understood from the above context. Jiva Goswami continues. Bhagavan does not regulate the material energy directly but does so through his Purusha avatars, who are all called Paramatma. 
Paramatma has three manifestations. The first is known by various names, such as Mahavishnu, Karnadakshai Vishnu, Sankarshan, Narayan, or the first Purusha. He is the regulator of primordial nature, called Prakriti or Pradhana. He reposes in yogic sleep on the water of the causal ocean, or Karanarvnava. The causal ocean is the boundary between the material and spiritual domains. At the end of a creation cycle, the cosmos is devolved dissolved back into the unmanifested state of matter, Prakriti. So here it's referred to as Prakriti. At this time, the jivas, along with Prakriti, remain in an inactive state within the body of Mahavishnu. When it is time for a new creative cycle to begin, he manifests the universes. The Brihad Aranyaka Upanishad compares this creation process to sparks flying out from a source fire. According to the Brahma Samhita, Mahavishnu generates innumerable universes from the pores of his body. So different scriptures are looking at the manifestation of the material cosmic. (coughs) One is saying, well, it's like sparks from a fire. One Upanishad. And then what's the, the Brahma Samhita says, well, it's, they're coming out from the pores of the body of the great Mahavishnu. All the different universes are coming. It's just different ways to say it's, it's coming from the Supreme Lord. We shouldn't get hung up on the cement. No, no, it's just sparks. No, it's really <laughs> coming from like perspiration from the... It's just a way of looking at it. It's a way of trying to to wrap words around what's going on when the material universe is manifested. Jiva continues. In the Brahma Samhita 5.8, Sambhu is referred to as the causal agent of Sri Krishna, the original Bhagavan. For this reason, Sambhu is called Linga. Etymologically, (laughs) the word Linga means an indicator. If you look to the root of of the definition of Linga, it means an indicator. Lingam artham gamayati. A linga is that which discloses an object or a hidden meaning. For example, in nyaya, nyaya is a type of is logic, right? In nyaya, smoke is known as a linga for fire. If you see smoke, you can assume there's a fire somewhere around. It's a logical assumption. So that's what's being uh, the etymological meaning of the word linga. Is it's an indicator of something else. In this sense, smoke can be said to be the be causal 
in regard to the influence of fire. Therefore, linga means an indicator, symbol, or cause. An indicator or symbol informs us of something that is not explicit, while a cause suggests a hidden potency to bring forth an effect. In this sense, the word linga can also mean generative organ. It is in the sense of causal agency that the word linga has been used here. Thus, Sambhu is the linga of Krishna in both senses. He is his causal agent in the matter of creation. And he is also the existence of his source, Sri Krishna. Then we come to the definition of womb. Yoni. So both linga and Yoni refer to that that ability to manifest. So it's in that sense that there is meaning behind the worship of Shiva and Parvati. They are the the causal agents when combined that can be seen as representative of a material manifestation. So we notice that they're sometimes worshipped in that way. Shiva Linga, Parvati as 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 the as the the womb in which the material energy a representation of the material energy from which there can come creation. So both are agencies of creation. I'll read this, it's interesting. From Sri Jiva Goswami's comment, it is concluded the word Sambhu also denotes the source of Mahavishnu. So Sambhu is like the intermediary. Sambhu is that portion of the Chaturvyuha that so that that it's a portion of that portion of the transcend the 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 original Chaturvyuha which manifests directly from the Lord and here it says Sambhu also denotes Mahavishnu in fact he remarks that the primary meaning of the word Sambhu is a special part of Mahabhagavan Sri Govinda. So now we see, well, which is it, you could say? Is it, is it Narayan? Is it Mahavishnu? Or is, when we say Sambhu, are we referring to the Adi Purusha, Govinda himself? And not Bhagavan Shiva. So it goes on, etymologically, Sambhu means he from whom, Sam, meaning liberation or bhakti, ensues. So now we're taking it back to a, a, a definition with accords with the overall 
sentiment, not that there, it's a sentimental explanation, but rather the, the overall sense of the Vaishnav scholars that all this manifestation can be taken back to a relationship with bhakti itself. The universe itself is coming. Why? Because bhakti has unfinished business with certain jivas. So therefore, the whole manifestation is coming about. So in essence, it's all coming due to this swarup shakti, the bhakti that truly corresponds with the Lord's topmost inner emotions in loving exchange. The word sama is used in the sense of bhakti in the Bhagavatam. Quote from the 11th canto, sama is the state of the wisdom faculty, buddhi, where it is exclusively fixed on me, Sri Krishna. So when the intellect is totally fixed on Krishna exclusively or service to Krishna, and when we say Krishna, we refer to Krishna and what? His form, his name, his qualities, his pastimes, his entourage, his abode, his leela. So it's all those. Then there's another gloss explanation of the word um, sambu. from the Vasistadvaita Kosa, or dictionary. Narayan, who is the source of the cosmos and the bestower of liberation. Another explanation. This very Sambhu is called Maheshvar and Purusha, Brahma Samhita 5.10. It is from him that the first Paramatma called Mahavishnu manifests. So now we're saying, well, the Mahavishnu manifests from Sambhu. Now to an explanation of the first and second manifestations of the Chaturvyuha. Jiva continues, to understand the subject of Bhagavan's internal self-expansions, we have to... Internal. Self-expansions we have to keep in mind that there are two categories of quadruple manifestations. Chaturvyuha. The first one manifests directly from Sri Krishna and consists of Vasudev, Sankarshan, Baladev, Prajumna, and Aniruddha. And we also heard recently that they have their representations in direct relationship with Krishna in Vraj. If you remember that lecture that uh, Guru Maharaj gave, he pointed out that certain paradramatic figures in the Leela are seen as Krishna's mind. His, if I don't remember, and I didn't have time to go back and listen, but if we can go back, we, we can remember, he, he pointed that out, that this particular um, gopa 
yes, is representative of the the, the Yani Ruda aspect or the Pradumna aspect of Krishna's intellect, his booty, his chitta, his mind. So, uh, so this is this is Jiva's explanation, but he doesn't take it back to those represent representational figures in uh, in Braj Lila. These four are super cosmic forms being situated within the spiritual domain. So Jeeva is saying the first chapter of Yuha is situated in the Vaikuntha, the spiritual domain, and are worshipable for the devotees. The second chapter of Yuha is present within the cosmos and is known by the same name. It manifests from Sankarshan of the first quadruple manifestation. So there's the first transcendental Chaturvyuha, Vasudev, Sankarshan, Pradyumna, and Aniruddha. And from that Chaturvyuha, Sankarshan, the second of that, the, of that, those four in the transcendental realm is manifested the second Chaturvyuha. And that Chaturvyuha is present within the cosmos and is known by the same name. It manifests from Sankarshan of the first quadruple manifestation. This cosmic, meaning cosmic in relationship to the material manifestation, exists for the purpose of creation, sustenance, and dissolution of the cosmos. So I don't want to overwhelm anybody tonight. I think I would, we'll stop here. I need at least four hands. At least, yeah. Or one heart. <laughs> so we'll try to assimilate all this knowledge through the heart. It's a lot easier than try to intellectualize it. Thank you so much for your association. Thank you.